0: All right, because we've had so much happening, I'm actually going to invite you to do something uh, just sitting where you are. I want you to talk to the person next to you, uh, make yourself talk to the person next to you, all right, do this. Uh, I want you to talk to the person next to you about the issue of freedom. And here's the thing I want you to discuss together for a short time. Um, what, when? Not, this is, may not be you, but when people are looking for freedom, what are they looking for? What what is it someone's after when they're after freedom? You got the got the question? Go for it. We didn't do this last week, did we? Freedom. Ah, right, okay. Okay, that'll do, because so, we're going to hear what this group's talking about down here, because they're laughing very loudly. So, yep, come on, share. It was a family joke about kids, was it? Yeah. Said away from uh, that's what we wanted to hear. So, so what are people after with freedom? Getting away from Jackie. <laughs> Mum. Mum's always been straight. Not... <laughs> what, what are people after when they're looking for freedom? Self-determination? Yeah. Do what, like. do what I like. Yeah, don't want to be told what to do. To, well, yeah, uh, pursuing freedom to be happy. Freedom to live a Christian life. Freedom to live a Christian life, yeah. Yeah. Absence of oppression. Nice, nice definition there, yeah. Freedom to choose, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, um, let me pursue this with you, uh, interesting to hear your thoughts. Freedom is a massively, massively important idea, rightly, it's an important goal in life. Who doesn't want to be free? Everybody wants to pursue, it's in our national anthem, it's in everyone's national anthem, to be free, young and free, young and old, young and free. Um, You know, uh, but everyone wants freedom, everyone's pursuing freedom, it's a great goal to have, but here's the deal, once you get to that point, we all agree, beyond that point, we all disagree, because what is freedom actually about? What is it to be free? How do you know if you are free? I want to suggest to you at least three concepts in the last little while that immediately come to mind for me about what freedom is, what people are pursuing. And this has happened over, the, over a long period of human history. Freedom has largely been understood as being free from constraint, to be free from forces outside of us making us do what we don't want to do. Freedom from constraint. So I don't want to be enslaved, I don't want to have some power come and take my freedom away and put me in chains. I want to be free, free from external constraint. Um, the pandemic in this context have been deeply distressing for people because we've lost our freedom for so long, didn't we? we? We weren't able to do what we wanted to do. I've heard some of you express that thought just this morning now. Freedom is about freedom from constraint, freedom from those forces outside of us making us... So the pandemic and the the government's response for many people was morally repugnant because they stopped us being free. Morally repugnant. But that's one view of freedom. And I'm going to suggest it's not capturing what we need to be concerned about. There's another view of freedom that's been part of modern history, the last little period of time. It's the freedom to be who I am so it's not just freedom from constraint, but it's freedom to be who I am. The last 50, 60, 70 years or whatever it is, uh, last bunch of time since the 1960s, there's been a great deal of concern about finding out who you are. Most of uh, you will have grown up during a period of time where that was a big concern you 've got to work out who you are, and it still kind of does the rounds of place: who am I really who and, and with that. Came along a sense of freedom is the freedom to be who I truly am. You see, without judgment, without people being hostile, and it's a beautiful thing to have. You see this in many modern movies. But the last 15 years, the last 10 years, there's been a new thing emerge about freedom. And it's the freedom to be whoever I want to be. It's a shift that's occurred. Freedom from constraint, so that no one makes me do whatever, you know, I don't, I'm not enslaved. Then the last period of time, freedom to be who I am. I have to discover who I am to be free to be that. But then the last 10, 15 years, there's been a movement towards freedom to be whoever I want to be. Because there's no in, ain't me at all. It's, I can be whoever I want to be. I can be this one day, this another day, and I want to be free to be out. That's part of what actually underlies the gender things that are operating at the present, um, but also queer theory and other theories that are coming through uh, our um, education institutions and so on. The freedom to be, I'm infinitely malleable, I can be whoever, I want to to be this today, and I want to be this tomorrow, and I want to be something else. Freedom to be whoever I want to be. Now this is a massively important topic. Uh, It's a concern for us to be free. It's a powerfully good thing to be free. But what does it actually mean? What does a person look like who is free? How do you know if you are free? How do you get true freedom? Well, Jesus, the great I am, the one who was with God and who is God, who, as you heard in the reading, was before Abraham, I am, the one who comes from heaven into the world as God become man amongst us. He teaches on this topic. He's worth listening to. He's the one who tells us about freedom. You look there at John chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, turn to verse 31. Extraordinary words. And what I want you to notice as we look at these words is that what he teaches about freedom is, is odd. It kind of cuts across the grain of how we might imagine freedom to be found. What freedom is, and it's one of those verses in the Bible that that you you skate through and go yeah 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 yeah. But if you actually slow down and look at it, you go whoa, that's not what I thought he should have said. Let me show it to you. To the Jews, verse thirty-one, who had believed in him, Jesus said, "If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." You see, he finishes that statement with a concern to be free, that you will find freedom, uh, that you will be set free. He repeats the idea a little bit later there, verse 36. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom. It's a massively important topic in this section of Scripture, to find freedom, true freedom, the deepest freedom, to be free indeed, to be free in a way that we weren't even aware we needed to be free, free. That's what he's about here. But consider carefully Jesus' words there, verse 31-32. There are two conditions that he gives to find freedom. I'd offer there's a third one there too, but in verse 36. But um, two conditions in 31 and 32 that are necessary to find freedom. What are the conditions that he talks about there in verse 31-32 to find freedom? Have a quick look at those verses. What's necessary to find freedom according to Jesus? Two things. Hold to his teachings and... Know the truth. Isn't that right? So verse 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll be set free by the truth. And verse 36, the son, who is the truth, you'll be set free by the truth. But you won't come to the truth unless you, verse 31, become his disciple. You see the two conditions, becoming a disciple of Jesus and knowing the truth, which are related together. But notice carefully the form of Jesus' thought here. Truth is critical to the freedom. Truth is critical to find freedom, he says. But how do you come to know the truth? Jesus says you only come to know the knowledge of that truth by coming under him. By becoming his disciple. By holding to his teaching. By being, dare I say constrained by him, ruled and controlled by him. It's until you come under constraint that you find, won't find freedom. Unless you come under constraint, you won't find freedom. Isn't that odd? Because we've thought forever that freedom was about getting out from under constraint. But Jesus says, no, the key to finding the thing that will free you, which is the truth, is coming under my constraining rule, becoming a follower of mine. But isn't freedom being out from under people's authority? Not, says Jesus. Notice that oddity. You know, we tend to think of freedom in very superficial ways. We think of freedom as freedom from Freedom from constraint. And as long as there's no one outside of me ruling and controlling me, I'm free to do whatever I want. But that's not where true freedom's found. That is not where true freedom is found. It's a superficial kind of freedom. And that kind of freedom will always leave you enslaved. Because that's exactly the discussion that follows. You see, what I'm trying to do is alert you to the fact that, wow, Jesus says things you wouldn't have thought that you should say. He says stuff that doesn't fit the way the modern... Why is that? Because he's come from God, he is God, he is the great I.N. You look with me at verse 33. Having said these words, verse 33, the group that he's talking to answer him by saying, we're Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? You see, we're already free. We're Australians. We're we're Jews, we're free. What do you mean we be set free? We don't need to be free. You might be sitting there thinking, I already am free. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've not understood freedom. Now, the interesting thing, of course, is that the Jewish group who respond, even on any other definition of freedom, it's pretty hard to believe they actually are free. If you know anything about the Jewish people, they've been enslaved for centuries and still were. So it's interesting that they respond like that. They were, ever since about the 6th, 7th century, um, they were were ruled and oppressed by other nations and at present they're under the power of the Romans. And so as a nation they weren't particularly free. Um, Perhaps what they're saying is we're not chained. We haven't got chains on us, literally. Perhaps that's what they're saying. But what I want to suggest here is that humans have a great capacity to lie to themselves, Humans have a great capacity to deceive ourselves. And they, they wanted to believe they were free and so they taught themselves that they were and yet they're living in oppression under the Romans. We are so gripped by the need for, well, I don't know what is it, our own dignity, our own self-respect, that we tell ourselves that we're not this or we're not that To protect ourselves. You know there's a popular ethic uh, that kind of does the rounds which is how do you know what's right and wrong? Well the thing that's wrong is hurting others, the thing that's right is doing stuff that doesn't hurt anyone else. You know you've heard that. It's like do, do whatever you want to do as long as you don't hurt anyone is our kind of popular way of thinking about what's right and wrong. But here's the thing, we therefore do stuff that we want to do telling ourselves we're not hurting anyone because to hurt someone would be doing something wrong. So I'm doing something and I'm not hurting anyone. Yes you are. Every young adult who pursues drug lifestyle or sexual promiscuity tells themselves I'm not hurting anyone, I'm just doing what I want to do and as long as I don't hurt anyone it's all very well and good but actually what they're doing is lying to themselves and time shows the lie because the drug becomes drug addiction which does great harm and the sexual promiscuity does great harm to themselves and to the ones they're promiscuous with we're we're very good at telling ourselves we're not something when we actually are something Um, we're not trying to hurt anyone you may not be trying to but you are We just won't see it for many years to come. The human capacity for deceit is massive. Do you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there was a survey of men and their sporting abilities. Have you heard this one where um, men were asked to rank uh, what percentile of sporting ability they believed themselves to sit under? And 100% of men said they were in the top 15% of sporting ability. Something a little odd there, isn't there? Someone's down the bottom, but none of us will admit that we are. Um, We have a great capacity to deceive ourselves. The truth, you see, the truth, the truth is really hard to come by. But it's the truth that sets you free, says Jesus. Now, at least in part, the truth sets you free because it's necessary to start the journey. It's, It's not until you face the truth... That you're not who you think you are. It's not until you face the truth that you're not as free as you think you are, that you won't ever find true freedom. You can see how that works, can't you? These the the listeners here, Abraham and his descendants. What are you talking about offering us freedom? We don't need the offer of freedom because we're free. Jesus going, You're crazy. And what he does is he then takes them through the evidences that they're not truly free. And what he does is he identifies a slavery that they're under that is the deepest slavery you can be enslaved to, that's hidden from us, that we've hidden from ourselves. You look with me at his next sentence there, verse 34. He responds by saying, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Wow. There it is. The truth again. The deepest issue. You know, we may not be literally in chains, says Jesus, and you might believe you're free, says Jesus, and so think yourself free and all the rest, but all the time, beneath this absence of external powers over you, forcing you to do things you don't want to do. Um, Apart from the fact that you might have thrown off all the presses and no one tells you how to live your life, you're free. Jesus says, within that is a deeper slavery that you've actually blinded yourself to. And it's a slavery to, it's the true slavery, it's the deepest kind of slavery, it's slavery to sin... Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. Jesus is identifying a force at work in every human's life. Sin. Now we wonderfully... I love hearing the testimonies of our families. It's just wonderful to hear the thoughtfulness and so on. So sin, you heard sin defined for us. But let me give you... it. Sin in its deepest sense is rebellion against our maker. It's... As a consequence, therefore, acting against the, the way God would have us live our lives. Now, the way that God would have us live our lives is healthy. It's to be people of love and respect and grace and courage and truth and, and integrity and sacrifice. It's beautiful. God made humans for all of these things. To be like Jesus, to be wholesome, to be sound of heart, sound of mind. He made us for love, to love others, to love him. He made us for truth, to delight in what's true, to be honest about the truth, to face the truth wonderfully and well to speak it. He made us for him, for relationship with him to serve him and know that's how he made us in health and wholeness. Sin is each of these things perverted, denied, rejected. Instead of love, we live self-serving. Instead of the truth, we live with lies and deceit. Instead of living for him, we reject him, you see, which gives rise to all of this. Um, Do you know... Such is the human condition, though, that we deceive ourselves to think we're not doing this. I mean, you know, um, uh, who, doesn't, uh, I, who doesn't hate liars? Hate's a strong word, isn't it? But who, who doesn't think it's wrong that a person is a liar? It's a dreadful thing to live in lies, isn't it? But who hasn't lied? Who, who amongst us has never lied? We've all lied. And I dare say, if we went through your week this last week, we'll find ways in which you have stretched the truth, coloured the truth, spun the truth, lied to yourself, lied to others. We hate it, but we do it. It's an extraordinary thing. Um, You know, uh, at the root of human condition is this thing called sin, which at root is about rejecting God and his rule over us, his control of us, his shaping of us, which has then broken our very nature in our soul. Our soul is now blackened. It's, it's perverted and distorted. And we are now like, <laughs> the best illustration, the shopping trolley. Do you know the shopping trolley that you get and you push it along and it keeps doing what? just keeps going off into the eye, into the kind of the bang, bang. And if you don't keep, that's, that's now the human condition. We have an inner, the soul is so distorted, broken by, by throwing off God, by being born in a world, that we have this inner disposition towards all the consequences of sin. We keep turning and it's only with the greatest of effort that we can keep the human spirit straight only with the greatest of effort or, or it's only in the hero phase of a disaster and you watch this that the media will go to town on how amazing humans are in the midst of a flood in the midst of a fire in the midst of a war but you know what happens when the flood passes when the fires pass we spring back we with the greatest of effort with the greatest of inspiration can for a moment but we then wind back Anyone who sins, Jesus says, is a slave of sin. What he's saying here is that sin has a power over us, in us. And the fact that we sin, reject God and live for ourselves, show that we are enslaved to a power within us, not outside of us, within us. Though there is also a power outside of us. This truth about human nature is readily rejected in our community, despised, mocked, but it's the most easy thing to demonstrate. Let me give it to you. Who has not found themselves doing the thing they swore they would never do? Who has not resolved at some point in their life that I will not do that and found themselves doing it? I will never talk to my kids like that. Hands up who has done exactly that. Yeah. You know, you grow up with your parents who do this. When I grow up and I'm a parent, I'm never going to do this. How many times have you found yourself talking to kids going, wow, what's happened? Dad's just taken over me. Do you know I'm channeling my mother or whatever. Have you not had that experience? Where's that come from? We, we, We do what we know we ought not do and we keep doing it. And we don't do what we know we ought to do. We keep not doing it. What is it with the human condition? We're like a trolley that just keeps. Be- We've got a broken wheel that bends us this way, with only with the greatest of effort. You let go of that effort, you are slide. Every human, at a very basic level. Friends, if we're honest with ourselves about the truth, if we tell ourselves the truth, which is hard to do because we don't like to see what we might be, we will find that we are enslaved, enslaved to sin. We hate others doing certain things and, and we are quick to condemn. But just remember, every time you point the finger, you point three fingers back at yourself. Just to talk politics for a moment try to avoid this as much as I can, but wow, this last week, couple of weeks. We've had one party on the political spectrum that has been very critical of the other party for its treatment of women, condemning, insisting they should do uh, change, all that kind of stuff, only to have found this last two weeks that their party has been doing exactly the same thing. But instead of quickly recognising, investigating, dealing with it, denied it's even happened hypocrisy hypocrisy but hypocrisy is not is not the 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 possession of just one political party it is a human condition it's easy to find in politics because it's so public and it'll be exactly the reverse if parties change you'll see it'll happen everywhere because it's a human condition it's your condition it's my condition We condemn others and point the condemnation, the Lord God in his word says, at whatever point you condemn others, you condemn yourself. Do you know, we're seeing um, a church deconstruct Hillsong. Um, And uh, you have heard my views on Hillsong and its concerns over the years. Do not gloat over Houston's struggles. Do not there but the grace of God go I. Wow. Now there are victims. So there's right concerns that are being raised that need to be dealt with because there is harm and, and all the rest. There's a public position. All, absolutely. But don't gloat. Don't gloat. Wow. We are so prone as humans to deep sinful activity because we've got a broken wheel on the trolley that pulls us there, that pulls us there. We know we shouldn't gossip, but we gossip. We know we shouldn't... we stretch the truth. We know we shouldn't be addicted to things, but pornography has its hold in 80% of men and 20% of women. But it's not just pornography. We had a meeting this week with a a young uh, leader who is doing... he's done his PhD in pornography and social media, and we're working as a church to work out how we can keep growing and developing in these areas. But one of the things he very interestingly identified was that for men it's this and 20% of women, but for women it's social media and narcissistic presentations of themselves. It's an addiction to actually presenting themselves in the best possible light. The, The problem is we have it everywhere. You give us opportunity because of what we're like, there but for the grace of God. You know, this all matters so deeply. It matters so deeply because look at verse 35. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. What Jesus is talking about is the greatest family to ever belong to, God's family, and he says slaves, people who are enslaved to sin cannot be part of that family. Because that family is for children, for the children of the family, not the slaves. This matters deeply because if you are enslaved to sin, you cannot be part of this family. It's only the freed sons and daughters who can be in, which therefore raises the question for all of us. If you've got an honest heart and mind, what should that raise the question of? How can I be in? What part can I have then? as someone who is enslaved to sin. The picture, again, is wholesome and beautiful, the part of the family, a member of the family. Jesus paints this picture of the the table, the, the welcome feast, the home, the love that we were made to be part of. But he says, as slaves, enslaved to this deeper slavery, you can't be part of it. He says it to this group of people. The men that he's speaking to, they're sure they're in the family, but Jesus is working hard to let them face the truth, to bring them to face the truth. You're not in because you're enslaved to sin. You think you're in, but you're not in. It's only for children. That's the whole discussion from verse 37 on. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you were looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham's our father, they answered. If you are Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. As a man who has told you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth, but you don't want to hear it. And so you're looking for ways to avoid it, to get away from it. We're not illegitimate children, they protest. The only father we have is God himself. But Jesus goes full tilt with them. Look at verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me. For I've come from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father. Here it is. You belong to your father, the devil. Wow. Religious people. You belong to your father, the devil, and you carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Do you see what the Lord Jesus is saying here? The essence of the satanic power of our world, in our world, is deceit, is lies. Lies about human nature, lies about freedom, lies about where true freedom is found, lies about who Jesus is, lies about that lies, that is what we have under the power of Satan. We want freedom, but we all want to believe we're already free because we've settled for a superficial kind of freedom. But freedom from external constraint is no freedom really at all. When in fact we hide with a deeper slavery, an internal slavery, slavery to sin, hostility to God, apathy towards God, apathy to his ways. The fact that we sin shows how deep this slavery is in us. Now we find this, outside of Jesus, we find this almost impossible to believe of ourselves. No, no, we're basically good people. No, we're not, says Jesus. We are practised in our deceit. We tell ourselves we're not that bad, we're good, when in fact we're far from good. We tell ourselves we're not slaves when we are. We tell ourselves and each other as a society that we're really getting better and better, but we're not. We tell ourselves that what we're doing is chasing the good, but what we're doing is chasing evil. We just have denied it and pretended it. We are a world full of brilliant deception. We need this, of course, to protect ourselves from the pain of the truth. But Jesus' diagnosis of humankind and human society and religious society is, is spot on. You know, there's a new show on Netflix um, called Byron Bay or something like this, is it Byron, Byron Bay? Um, and uh, I stumbled onto it last night. And, um, and it's, it's following a group of young, attractive people in Byron Bay who have grown up in Byron Bay and um, who are into love, acceptance healing, wholeness, beauty. But I've only watched one episode and all I've seen so far is backstabbing, betrayals, pettiness, gossip, immaturity. (laughs) And you know what I think? The very place that's meant to be the epitome of wholeness and love and acceptance and freedom is just like every other place full of people who bring to that place their own inner slavery to sin. We can't get past it. We're enslaved. Now, that's not to have a go at them. You could pick out middle-class respectable culture and find all the same things happening. Everyone who claims to be truly free and is only thinking of freedom as freedom from constraint from outside is internally a seething hotbed of slavery inside themselves. And that is all of us outside of Christ. Slavery. We have thought for many years it's just about being free from oppressive powers outside of us. It's not. We've thought in recent times it's just about being who I am, discovering who I am and being free to be who I am. No, 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 no. As soon as you pursue that path, what you do is give the trolley free reign. If you think freedom is, I just want to let the trolley be whatever the trolley is, do you know what will happen with the trolley? It will slide towards. If I just let myself go to be whoever I am, what I will roll into is self-absorption, self-narcissism, selfishness, because that's the that's who I am. <laughs> and if I pursue a freedom to be whoever I want to be whenever I want to be I've just empowered myself to be entirely selfish as I pursue a kind of authenticity Um, slavery a deeper slavery a slavery that in the end is enslavement to an external power Satan the father of lies what's the answer what's the answer to this Well, verse 36, the answer is the Son who sets you free. But the Son sets you free in a counterintuitive way. It takes great thought. How does the Son set you free? He sets you free in a way that our culture doesn't think makes any sense. But let me tell you how he sets us free. He sets us free by bringing the truth to us and bringing us under his lordship by bringing us to be his disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you embrace the teaching of Jesus and come under the rule of Jesus, you will find yourself now knowing the truth and the truth will set you free. You will see who you really are, where the real problem lies and where the answer is only found in one outside of us, the Son, Jesus, who comes with the power to set slaves free who comes with the power by his death on the cross and his resurrection to destroy the power of Satan, the one who holds the power of death, to destroy the power of sin in our life, that the penalty can be taken away and the power can be broken in our hearts and lives, that we can now live differently. Now this goes totally against the grain of our thinking though. We've persuaded ourselves that true freedom is not having any constraints outside of us. Not being under anyone's authority. And that is the lie of Satan. Jesus says no, true freedom is found in coming back under him. Under his rule and lordship. Brothers and sisters, friends amongst us, I want to urge you to see the truth of Jesus' teaching. Because the freedom he offers is a true freedom. That you will experience, how do you find this freedom? You come to Jesus, the Son who can set you free. You throw yourself on his mercy. You call on him to be now the one that rules and controls you. And you look to his death and his resurrection as the thing that is paid, paid for your sin. That the penalty is gone and the power is removed by the Holy Spirit of God who now comes in us to change and transform our nature. But, 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 I should say too, having done that, you'll experience a kind of freedom you never realized. But it'll be a freedom with constraint. It'll be a freedom where you feel now constrained by the word of God to do things you don't feel naturally you want to. But that's freedom to actually be by Jesus's power to be held by a shopping trolley back on track. And you'll have but your experience of freedom will be one of constraint. Where God calls us to no longer give up meeting together and so I make myself do things under the rule of Christ. But that's freedom. Where I'm fighting against the inner disposition of sin that enslaves me to myself, to comfort, to ease. I have to fight that by the power of the Spirit. But that's where true freedom is found. The freedom to be not who I am, not whoever I want to be, but the freedom to be what I was made to be. The freedom to be what I was made to be, an image bearer of Christ, like Christ. Someone who lives a life of love and grace and courage and truth and sacrifice and determination to obey my father now instead of sinning against him. To be free to be who I was made to be by the internal work of the Spirit, by the external work of Christ who has died to pay for me. And here's our great hope, brothers and sisters. That in a few short years, we will finally be liberated from this body of decay, which keeps drawing us back towards sin. We'll finally be liberated from this body of decay and redeemed into the pure, wholesome wholeness of sons and daughters of God who have no disposition for sin anymore, who not only are constrained to do what's good, but love what's good always and only. That's our future hope. The true freedom of sons and daughters, established for us by the Son of God who sets us free. So brothers and sisters, you can know that you are free. It'll be a strange experience in our culture and life today as we await his return. But there is a hope where you'll be completely liberated from any disposition to sin. Pray God he comes soon. And pray God he draws more people into this freedom. Pray, God, he brings the truth into our world that combats lies, the lies of Satan. Pray, God, he liberates more and more people to know this truth, to come under the rule of Christ. Pray, God, for great good through his work amongst us. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we do pray for these things. That please, you would give us a great sense of the freedom that's found in Christ. That you would help us break free from the ways the world thinks about these things. That you would help us find the truth, the truth of a deeper slavery that can only be dealt with by the Son who sets us free through his death and his resurrection. We pray that you would cause those amongst us who don't know this freedom to come to Jesus even today, to bring themselves under his rule, to pray for his mercy and grace. Pray for those of us who have come to you, Lord Jesus, that you would help us hold to your teachings, even though it feels like constraint, help us hold to your teachings that we might then know the truth and know the experience of freedom in that truth. And we pray your return, please, that we might be finally liberated to be all that you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.